Hi, welcome back to the Take Note podcast. We are your co-hosts, Adrian Fry and myself, Taylor Reese King. And we have, yeah, we have an awesome guest on, Bree Crook, who recently graduated from Boise State in 2019. And um, she's now at the Pioneer, uh, teaching at the Pioneer School of the Arts um, and getting her master's online um, at Boise State. Um, she already has her uh, BM, Bachelor's in Music Education, um, and she is an oboe virtuoso, and we'd love to uh, ask her questions about how the oboe works, you know? So, tell us about yourself. Me? Yes. Well, um, <laughs> I've been <laughs> playing instruments since I was like five, and uh, started playing the oboe in seventh grade, and I've just kind of stuck with it ever since. Um, wow. Played all, played all through high school, played all through college, and still play for fun now. It was my intention to uh, audition for some ensembles this fall, but obviously with COVID, um, mm -hmm. that didn't happen. So I'm just hanging out, just still teaching private lessons, and, you know, nothing yeah, special. That's cool. Usually people switch to oboe from, like, clarinet or sometimes even saxophone because the double reed it's really difficult you know to make it work and they're very expensive right so, so i don't know that it's necessarily because the diff the double reed is oh, okay is difficult i think a lot of teachers are maybe uncomfortable with the instrument at a beginning level like they don't that makes sense. they don't feel like very confident in their skills at least talking to my um some of my classmates and things um it just kind of sounded like a lot of people, because there's really not a lot of time spent on it in, in college. I mean, you touch it for a day, maybe if you're lucky mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it, it's, it's scary. I get it. And it is a very expensive instrument. And unless you can commit to private lessons as a young student, it's really hard to be successful. So, mm -hmm. um, I, I actually didn't choose the oboe because I liked it. I had no idea what it was. Um, but my, my aunt had an oboe she played in high school. I don't know how she came across it, but my grandma purchased an instrument for her pretty good quality, you know, mid grade instrument for a student. And, uh, when I was coming up on band, I knew I wanted to be in band because my dad was a band geek when he was a kid. And, uh, I was like, yeah, I want to be like my dad, but he played the horn. <laughs> I was like, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll play the flute. And he's like, nah, the flute's lame. Play something different. So, uh, he's like, Hey, by the way, your aunt has this oboe. You should play it. So I asked my grandma and she's like, sure. As long as you take care of it, you can just have this oboe. Here you go. And so then I was like, I don't know what this is. I don't know how it works, but my parents were really supportive. I didn't start out in private lessons, but I picked it up pretty quick. And by the time I was an eighth grader, I had a teacher who was teaching me how to do it correctly. And you know, it was it was a good experience. <laughs> All right. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So um, we are going to be discussing how, like, how to compose for oboe. So okay. could you describe um, the ranges of, of your horn? I know uh, you can't go very low. I think it's a C, uh, C4. C flat. B flat. Oh, B flat, fine. Okay, I was wrong. That makes sense. Um, B flat to about a D above the staff, right? Um, it depends on who you're composing for. Are you are that you talking sense. composing for you know a high school student 
I would say, yeah, the D above the treble staff is probably a comfortable note. Most students with a little bit of coaching can get that note to come out. Okay. Uh, we can actually go a lot higher. I don't recommend I it. I was told not to. Oh, okay. <laughs> like we, it's, you can. It's possible. Okay. Should you do it? Mm, nah. I've only pre- I've performed a piece that goes all the way up to the high G above the staff. Oh, wow. And I did that in that was a college level piece. And it was not impossible, but very, very difficult. And even the best of the best, you know, if you don't have a, a read that works just in the right way, sometimes those notes don't come out and they don't sound good. <laughs> they don't. It's showy, it's exciting, but it's not okay. like a flute that can play in that high range and sound really great. So I as a high school student, I played stuff that went up to a high F. I feel like that's reasonable for advanced high school players, definitely reasonable for college level and beyond type of music. But if you're trying to shoot for anything younger, the C or the D above the staff is probably about as far as they can go. Okay. So what about the quality of those ranges? So you have um, the, I mean, I don't know what the ranges are called. You have the low range, the mid range, the high range. Um, And I assume that's like, um like an f and below is the low range uh, in the staff um to maybe like the g is a, a mid range and g and above mm-hmm. is a high range would that be accurate yeah i think so okay what uh so describe the sounds um especially if you have a good quality instrument the uh lower range sounds are a lot darker in tone than um especially than your really high stuff they mm-hmm. are it honestly it's my favorite range to play in just because that's the kind of that's the kind of sound that i love i love the low stuff um oh it it can be difficult for younger students to play the b and the b flat so those have a tendency especially with with newer students to squeak (laughs) and to not come out Mm -hmm. so be careful when you write those for it's not impossible they can they can do it but it's a lot more difficult for them to do that. Um, the mid range is your typical oboe sound. And it, I would say at about G or a at the top of the staff is where it starts to change into a lighter sound. Um, okay. it gets, I, I don't know the airy is the right word, but it definitely gets a little bit more open. And those notes especially become harder to tune as you get higher. They are a little less, a little less stable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the high range, um, I, I really, the high range and the mid range are my two favorite registers. The, um, the low range to me sounds really honky. Um, <laughs> and I, I personally hate the, hate that range and I will never write oboe in that range. Cause if I'm writing in that range, um, chances are it'll sound better on an English horn, but that's just my opinion. Yes. Yes. Um, if, um, if you're planning to be down there for a long period of time, just put it on an English horn and just be aware, depending on the level that you're writing for, that may not be an option. So it may have yeah. to be transposed onto another instrument, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Which you might as well do that in a way, because I, I, I just don't like that sound. Um, <laughs> I love the oboe. Like it is such a beautiful instrument. Like, um, I really like the Firebird Suite uh, by Stravinsky, mm-hmm. all those solos in that, um, or the uh, um, uh, Rite of, not Rite of Spring, um, what's the other one? Uh, Pines of Rome, Respighi. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, 
I really like uh, the oboe in those those pieces. Um, however, in the lower range, he does have um, does write oboe, and it does get honky, and um, I, it sounds better with an English horn. Just just my two cents. Um, <laughs> I um, think it depends on your player. Yeah, that that's also true. You know, if it's somebody that works really hard to, I mean, as an oboe player, we're at the mercy of our read. And yes. most of us, at least, you know, by the time well, you're, you're in college, you're reads. making your own, but yeah. And yeah, you can adjust them. And I definitely have mm-hmm. some that I've spent hours and hours and hours on and the low notes sound like trash. <laughs> and you just, you just have to decide, okay, for this song that we're playing for this concert, probably shouldn't use my, my read where my low notes sound like trash. It's, it's hard to get a balance of, you know, exactly the sound that you want because it's a natural, it's a natural thing. It's a, piece of nature you know and Mm -hmm. to try and make it entirely man-made is you know almost impossible unless you're playing on a plastic reed but those are gross they're getting better um but also incredibly expensive for them yeah i don't think it's worth it for an oboe yeah no (laughs) um i've played on synthetic reeds before for my saxophone but yeah, um, sack reeds do a lot better than uh, yeah. than oboe reeds do. Yeah, but those oboe reeds can go up to like ninety to hundred bucks. So for plastic, uh, you're looking at like one one ten for a quality one. One one what? One ten for a quality oboe plastic reed. I I, I don't think it's oh. worth it. You're talking about Leger, those plastic yeah. reeds. Uh huh. Yeah, they're they're um. Yeah, they're expensive. Bassoon reeds go up to like 130 to 150 bucks. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. surprise me. Yeah. Um, whereas the uh like just the cane reeds, it depends on like you you have to make them, right? Um if you make them, well, it's a lot cheaper than not. It is um, in the long run. You gotta buy the tools and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, if you're looking to buy online a quality hand scraped oboe reed, you're still looking at thirty dollars a reed. Yeah. And for a student that blows through them really fast, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I'll have a kid would, go through a read and read because they're just not careful. You know, yeah. it's expensive. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was a little bit concerned when you said, yeah, I started in seventh grade. I was like, what? I mean, I mean those things are expensive. Like They are. Crazy. And I started on not good reads, but we didn't know any different. And, you know, now when I have students coming to me that say, oh, or parents coming to me that say, oh, my kid wants to play oboe. I'm like, okay, here's the deal. You've got to be willing to commit financially to mm-hmm. to these to this this instrument because your kid's gonna break their reeds a lot in the beginning and I'm gonna teach them how mm-hmm. to take care of them but they're still a kid and they're you know teenagers are not maybe the most uh, responsible. What? <laughs> That's crazy, yeah, right? Really put that word with teenagers too much. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Oh, I completely forgot what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Um, we do the same thing. Saxon players, we, I mean, we buy boxes of 10. They're about 30, mm-hmm. 40 bucks. Um, and all reeds are not created equal. Um, they True. are, they, I mean, that's a weird way to phrase it, but it's completely the truth. Like the, um, like some of my reeds, my low register is going to sound amazing. Um, but that depends on what day it is. If it's a Tuesday, it's going to work differently than the Thursday because, it's really unpredictable. And it depends also on how you like treat your reeds. Like I have a, a small pelican case with a bunch of things, um, a bunch of reed cases inside of them, um, and a moisturizer pack. But that that's to try to keep it as consistent as possible. But even then, 
it still depends. Like if it's early in the morning, your your air is not going to be exactly the same as late at night, and it's just, it's just going to be different. Right, and, and the weather travel. has yeah. a major effect not mm-hmm. only on the reeds but on the instrument itself, the elevation, like everything. Yeah. If you buy a reed that was made in a low elevation with that's really humid, it's going to play really weird. If you live in Utah where it's high and dry, you know, you just kind of have to. I have to tell all my students to be really careful when they're buying their reads online to make sure that you're buying from somewhere that is a similar, similar climate, similar, you know, altitude as best as they can, because they'll get these reads and they look great, but they may not play like they want them to. There should be a composition that uh, shows off this problem about reads. Like we have the humidity and stuff, and so you like change the atmosphere of the room. Do it. <laughs> that sounds incredibly yeah, complicated, just, uh, but you yeah, know, if you do it. I'm just a brass <laughs> player, so I don't know the struggles of of reeds. Oh such. yeah, I'm like, really thankful for that. <laughs> I think it's trumpet players who have it the easiest. Um, they just buy one trumpet, one professional trumpet, one professional mouthpiece, and they're really much, they're, or two professional mouthpieces. No, because trumpet players are crackheads, dude. They buy like 50 different mouthpieces. Okay. Okay. That's fair. It's true. So, it's so, true. So, I gotta have not, the, the, the person that has it the easiest is probably, I don't want to say the tuba because their the instrument's so expensive, <laughs> but I I'd say, probably say tuba. You can probably survive. With just a, a a professional mouthpiece and professional a professional classical mouthpiece and professional jazz mouthpiece and a box strad cl- a trumpet, you can you can survive. You can go through your grad school. You can go through basically everything with that, and that's the cheapest combination of instrument uh, parts to any single instrument family in like out there really. Yeah. Besides piano. Like if you you, you can yeah you can, you yeah can okay never mind we're talking about all these dude piano has it the easiest they literally yeah. just go Actually, there and no. sit down <laughs> we talked about this it's the voice the voice has it the easiest oh yeah the voice yeah because you can literally <laughs> just you can just start singing <laughs> like, no they the probably heck? get so mad at us for saying that they have to okay. put together their voice hold on <laughs> <laughs> oh that'd be funny you just like hold see on, them disassemble their this. vocal cords. And put yeah. them back together. <laughs> oh. Oh, sorry, man. it's the read. I'm squeaking. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, it's the read today. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Um, we're on a tangent. Yeah, um, so um Bree, what do you love to see in like oboe compositions? What's your favorite uh what's your favorite thing to play? Ooh, that's a tough question. I You know, I appreciate when composers give the oboe the melody for a little while. Usually when we're... Well, yes. (laughs) But usually when we're given the melody, we're clubbed together with flutes and clarinets. Yeah. Uh You know? And I feel like sometimes we get kind of lost because, I mean, it's got an interesting timbre and it doesn't blend well with everything, you know? So I get that Sometimes it's got to be put together with other stuff to kind of get what the composer is looking for. Um, my, like I said earlier, my favorite thing is melodic stuff down in the low range. And I'm not talking the low, low range. Like from the honky low range? I don't like the B flat, I'll be honest. 
<laughs> I think it's a I little bit of PTSD. <laughs> a little PTSD because my my horn that I played on uh, all through middle and high school, the B flat sounded like Chewbacca. Oh wow! Oh, and we that, took it uh, in. I mean, every year to get it looked at, and they're yeah. like, "Yeah, we don't know how to fix that." <laughs> <laughs> so, I was just like a little scared, you know, when I finally got to Boise State and played on a, a an actually a nice horn and I was like, oh my gosh, like I don't have to be afraid of the B flat, but I still kind of am. <laughs> Even now on my own my own instrument, it's still like I'm still just scared to play down there because what if it squeaks? Um I really love anything from like a G down to a C and anything in between. I just it's they're usually pretty easy to come out. Um and really I mean, I don't love the high notes because they're kind of unstable, and I get annoyed by that. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but they do sound good on a on a good instrument. So I don't know. I don't know that I can pick a a perfect thing that I love the most. You know. Okay, I, I get you. Yeah, I really like writing oboe for really exposed parts. It's yes it handles. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty sick. Yeah, because it has such. It has a thin sound. A very thin mm-hmm. sound, especially in the high register, as you were saying. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's really open, and that uh, those two words, I mean, go hand in hand with um, like something that's exposed. Yeah. Um, and so, if you have a thinner texture, and uh, like that is voiced really openly, like I, I'm using the same exact words, but I mean, that's it's it's going to sound a lot. I don't know. It's. I feel like the oboes do a really good job of handling stuff like that. Heck oboes yeah. and flutes. I try. <laughs> Even clarinet to an extent. Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, I would. I would agree with that. Not in the Even low like register. The sham wow. The sham wow register. Shamalo. Uh, oh, I, <laughs> yeah. you're making. Okay. <laughs> I was no. like, I was like, I don't know what this is called, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say ShamWow because I know ShamWow. I'm gonna, the I'm gonna make a bro. petition to re- rename the Shamalo register <laughs> to the ShamWow register. I support I'll that. Be the, I'll be the first signature. Yes. All right. Um, <laughs> actually, I, I how many, how many that. signatures do you think we need? Oh, all of them. Um, all yeah. of them. <laughs> all Crap. Of the signatures. <laughs> If we get a lot, if we get a lot of people to like, you create a good graphic. You, get you think a lot of the people to click it. You think the National Clarinet Association would appreciate uh, like an oboe player, a saxophone player, and a trombone player trying to rename a register of the clarinet? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think they'd take too kindly to that. I, I don't know I why, but I have a feeling. I have a feeling that you know, you can't be like, I played clarinet for woodwind tech. I know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, get out of here. <laughs> um, Imagine trying to bring that to them. Oh God. You're like, you're like, it's a petition, like with <laughs> hundreds of thousands of signatures. Oh my, I would feel so awkward. Oh my God. I'd be like, um, okay. hello. <laughs> Let's, um, we're way off topic. I'm sorry, but I'm actually yeah, going to disagree with you, sorry. Adrian, um, about the Shamala register being, um, good for exposed things. I think the higher register, even the altissimo register, is really good for that because it too oh, yeah. has a really thin texture. With the really thick texture down there, it's like I don't know. For exposed parts, I feel like that uh, the Shamala register, because of like how rich it is, it kind of—I mean, it be, depends on how you use it. I feel like it would be difficult yeah, to. Uh, I was feeling like more of like a chord suspensions kind of oh, thing yeah. where you do it with the section. 
Yeah. Like that, those, that kind of, yeah, those, those are so, those are so the cool. The register. Yeah. That register is really good for chord voicings. Like it's for so the rich. And then oh, you add a French so horn good. in there too. And it's just, oh, it yes. seals it. it oh, or even a, a, a stopped French horn like that, that, zzz, mm-hmm. that buzzing sound. Uh, if you put them on like colored notes, like the three or the seven or a nine or something, it like, ah, oh, yeah. Mm. Good. Mm. Um, it, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we're we're not talking about clarinet or horn. We're talking about a uh, oboe. So yeah. So you like um. So you you said something. You 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 talked a little bit about the English horn. So from what I understand, um, there are three member four members of the um, double reed family. And when we say double reeds, for you those people who don't know what a double reeded instrument is because um you play like me play like a saxophone or something um it's well two reeds um so like twice as likely to uh, um have your crap like get like broken and stuff and there's no mouthpiece and you don't also you don't move it in or out so you don't tune it right um so the uh, there are four members so you have the oboe you have the english horn you have the bassoon um, and then in between, is it the English horn and the bassoon, or is it in between the English horn and the oboe? You have the chord. Um, I forget what it's called. Chord and jelly chord. Um, do you know what I'm saying? Uh, jelly. I'm trying to figure out what it is. Um, I I know it is a thing, and I just can't. Oh, remember. the chord anglais. Yes, I just hey, don't that, know how to pronounce. I'm a white guy trying to pronounce something. Like, what are you talking about? Uh, that that would be go. that would be the English horn. Oh, they're the same thing. Yeah. Oh, it's uh-huh. just you know like okay different language. You know, um, there is another instrument in between. Uh, it's the oboe de more, de more, de more. I think um, it sits. I want to say it's. Between the oboe and the English horn. No. English horn and bassoon? I don't know because I've never played one. I've never even seen one. It looks it's like... It looks like it's longer than the oboe, smaller than the uh, English horn. Because it doesn't that's have what a I, that's longer... That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a really long neck. But yeah, that's that what one, I thought. Or whatever you call that thing. But it does Just have the, the, the ball at the end. Yeah, I don't understand why. What, what is the purpose of that? Uh, different tone quality. Oh, here Google says it's considered the mezzo soprano of the oboe family. So that makes sense below the oboe. Okay, but I've never seen music written for it. I know it exists, you know, but it is really, really not a common thing because even the oboe in how we how we use it now. It, I mean, that's it's only been around for so long, you know, where trumpets and, and horns and all of their, you know, a lot of the brass family, that stuff's been a lot around for a long time. Yeah. It works a little differently now than it did before, but, um, you know, the modern oboe really has only been around for like, uh, I don't know, a hundred years, maybe in the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the instrument that we are used to using now. I mean, if you've ever seen a Baroque oboe, it looks a lot like a recorder with a reed in it. And it sounds a lot like a recorder with a reed in it. <laughs> it's not a, not my favorite sound. Um, yeah. I don't see a lot. 
written for uh for oboe tomorrow at all and you also have the bass oboe which is a big one again not really ever seen that yeah because i mean you have the bassoon so and the contrast yeah. yeah right and that has the range of basically the entire piano because or sure it feels like it because the bassoon has a big range like b yeah, flat it's crazy. yeah it's huge it is like five octaves it is yeah. nuts i'm excited to talk with chris and or devin about that um yeah that'd be that'd be a cool that's gonna be a good podcast You know what's funny? Um, I recently went to well, not recently. It was it was two years ago. I went to a concert um, at West Junior High, and they brought in this guy. Oh God, I can't remember his name. Um, but he had a bunch of saxophones, um, more than just soprano, alto, tenor, berry. He had like a C melody saxophone, a slide saxophone. Yes, those exist. Um, he had a, a contra bass saxophone, um, and he had a, I, I can't remember what it's called, but um, like an English horn saxophone. What? So, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was developed in the early 19th century. I mean, early 18th century, uh, God, <laughs> early 20th century, 1900s, <laughs> um, that basically they wanted like the, the English horn or the oboe, it's really difficult to play, but the saxophone is a lot easier. Um, and I hate saying that as a saxophonist because I know it's a difficult instrument, but all things considered, it is way easier than the oboe. Right. Um, so they were like, okay, so let's make an instrument that is like that combines the two. And basically they made a saxophone that has um that is in the same key as the English horn, so F. Um, and it had that ball at the end of it or ball-like thing at the end of it. And I'm not sure if it was conical or not. Um, I can't remember exactly. But it sounded exactly like an English horn. Like Weird. Yeah. And I only I think there are only like 15 of them out there. I don't know exactly. I'd have to do my research on that. But they did not make many of them because they didn't take. Um, I'm sure the English horns did not appreciate being replaced by saxophones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um but it was really cool. Like listening to that, I was like, "Holy shit, that sounds like an that sounds like a horn." How the so, um, kind of kind of a cool thing. English horn is my favorite instrument of the double reed family, um, especially for like my my favorite piece that uses the English horn is "Strange Humors" by John Mackey. Um, just I I love that rich reedy sound um especially in the low register of the english horn i think it's uh-huh. it's not honky like the low register of the oboe it is yeah it's very it's, different it's thick in texture right 
kind of like the bassoon in the low register. Like mm-hmm. that's really deep sound. Um, so I, um, do you play English horn? Yeah. Okay. Um, just, could you, could you go, could you, um, elaborate about those ranges? What do you, what do you like? What do you appreciate? What um, should be played on an English horn and not a oboe? Well, if you're looking for something that goes down below that B flat right underneath the staff for a long period of time, and you're looking for something with, uh, more of a darker tone quality than like the high notes of the bassoon. Mm-hmm. That's where you're going to want to, that's where you're going to want to sit on an English horn. Um, I played a piece. Oh gosh. I don't even remember what piece it was. We were uh, with BSU and it had an English horn solo that went clear up in that. So it's written, you know, it's in a different oh. key, but it's written with the same range and it went clear up high in the sky. And it was, absolutely impossible to tune and i just like the whole song i'm like this would be so cool if it was not on an english horn <laughs> wait uh what year was that was i there oh i don't remember it was not my last year so was it oh, Lanka first? no it was not the mislanka I've gone to a couple of the concerts. I, I went to the, a couple of the concerts that uh, before before I came to Boise State. Yeah, so I, I don't remember. Beans. I don't think it was my first year there either. I didn't start at Boise State. I transferred, but man, I don't remember. Uh, Snow College. Okay. <laughs> little little teeny tiny junior college in the middle of Utah, um, but they oh. have a partnership with Juilliard. And uh, so most of their most of their music staff has either gone to Juilliard or is Juilliard um, like former professors from over there, and uh, they have a really strong jazz program. Oh wow! Okay, uh, which I think is kind of what drew me to it. I I ended up not even participating. Uh, Piano. <laughs> okay. Okay. I was like, oboe no, and jazz. No. Are you trying jazz, to destroy jazz? Okay. Jazz oboe is wild. It I've is. Seen it. It. I, jazz bassoon and jazz oboe. Yeah. I've seen the crap, <laughs> but it sounds so. It's it's both like sacrilegious, as two set violin would say, but also really cool. Yeah, it's you have to. So do, it's weird. like a different kind of jazz. You just have yeah. to not clump it with the rest of you know what you think jazz is, and just. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's wild. So <laughs> anyway, I don't remember what piece it was that we played, but it had the English horn. It was written as a high as the A above the staff and higher. And I just remember looking at it and I'm like, there's no way I'm gonna be able to tune this. There's no way. And I had to play it. I was doubling somebody else at the time at the time too. And I was like, oh my gosh, it was so awful. It was the worst. Yeah, so don't because... don't leave your English horns chilling up in their high register, really exposed, because it it is not nice. Like you can do that with an oboe, and they'll live, and it'll be all right. But um, it's and I I mean it maybe it could have been the school horn that I was playing on. I definitely am way too broke to buy my own English horn. <laughs> <laughs> but <ugh. laughs> it's it's on my list of things to do eventually, but not right now. So yeah, it is. Whew. It was awful. I, the mid range of the English horn and then down to that low stuff, that's where you want it to be. That is where you're going to get the best tone quality. It's where you're going to get, you know, just the the sweetest sound, the the typical English horn sound that you're looking for. 
All right. Yeah. Um, so we we talked a little bit about intonation before. Um, and so when you're tuning, um, it's kind of funny watching oboe players tune because you don't really pull or uh, push in the, uh-uh. the read. I mean, you just yep. have to go straight on your ear and use your voicing or your jaw. Uh, which one? Voicing or jaw? Uh, neither. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> It's wow. uh, more of an embouchure adjustment than anything else, I think. How so? Okay. What? Okay. How so? I'm curious. So, like, the tighter that your embouchure is, the more your. Um, oh, and that. I feel like I need to have my instrument in my face to explain this. Um, <laughs> tighter would be higher. Yeah, like you can yeah. tighten it up a little bit. You can. You're like you, we don't really so move. Doesn't... We don't really move our jaws like. Like other instruments do, you can, oh. but not if. Like if I'm sitting in tuning the orchestra, I need to get my face in exactly where it needs to be, and and the reason for that is we're all I'm playing on a reed, right? Mm-hmm. And some of my reeds play flat, and some of my reeds play mm-hmm. sharp, and I have to adjust for that. Wouldn't it be dependent on how long they are? Not necessarily. No, that's weird. I've had some really short reeds that play really flat. <laughs> That's ironic. Okay. It has to, I mean, I could go into a lecture for five hours about how to make a read. It all has to do with how the cane was cut and scraped. And if it wasn't cut and scraped and shaped in the right way, or if there's a little tiny nick somewhere, or, you know, it's slightly uneven, it messes up the sound like majorly. That's, that's why Oba players always complain about making reads is because it is such a tedious and difficult process. Mm -hmm really great when you can when you you know have the skills to be able to tweak a read to make it do what you want but like i said earlier it's a natural substance and it does not always want to do what you want it to do (laughs) yeah i'm learning how to uh, scrape reads right now and it is not easy for one read and i could only imagine two um yeah because you've got to make a match on both sides and if they Mm -hmm. don't that's when you get you know a read that sounds really unbalanced and squeaks in certain places on the instrument. And, you know, it's. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to talk about the intonation of the, like, so, so you said that shorter reads counterintuitively, um, some shorter reads will sound flatter than longer read. Like um, it depends on other factors, which it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense to me because intonation has to do with the length of the horn. Um. And that, like, you you make the horn longer by pressing down more keys, and it's going to play lower. So I don't understand why making a, like, um, the, the, the length of the reed doesn't matter as much as the, uh, sh- like, the, the, the um, exact surfacing of the reed. Unless um, it depends on how, like, the air goes into it, um, and... I don't know. I don't know exactly. I don't understand. Yeah. So it it has a lot. It has a, I don't know that I do either really. (laughs) (laughs) I play, I've, you know, I've been playing this thing for many, many years and I'm, it's still just a giant question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, it does have a lot to do with the air. Um, I think if you had an extremely long read versus an extremely short read, you would probably notice a difference. There are, countless people out there that have their own method for scraping reeds. It's different American versus French, you know, 
you know, just the way that you scrape it, it's all different, but generally speaking, there's a suggested length that you want your finished read to be, you know? Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. and I've had reads that have chipped on the top. So I've clipped them back and made them a little bit shorter and sometimes Mm -hmm. they go flat and it's just all because of how the air flows and the vibrations in the read happen. And I don't understand. And I've had some that are really long that are really sharp. Um, what I've noticed is that a read that is really hard tends to be pretty flat. Like, Oh, that makes sense. You know, a read that needs more scraping and you know, but sometimes the cane is just weird. I have played on reads that I have, you know, I've done everything correct and it sounds wrong. And I've taken it to, you know, professors and be like, Hey, what is wrong with this stupid piece of crap that I am, you know, ready to just throw at the wall. And they're like, Oh yeah, well your cane's just weird. (laughs) Yeah. That's when you do the wall test, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've done many of those, many, many wall tests. (laughs) So for the listeners who don't know what the wall test, um, I'm going to just describe it to you. So if you have a read that isn't quite functioning properly and it, you're, you're, you're just struggling with it, um, basically you take it to the wall um, and you, you place it perpendicular um, and you try to make it as even as possible. Um, and you're basically checking uh, the space between when it like the, the curvature of the read um, and make sure it's perpendicular on both sides. So horizontal and vertical, it, it is um, perfectly per, uh, perpendicular. And all you want to do is apply as much pressure as possible up against the wall until it shatters, and um, and then you call. Then you'll know if it doesn't work. And yeah. uh, <laughs> do you have any brass instruments for sale? Because <laughs> like, because <laughs> like that's all I have to do. I just call Douglas. Like, hey, can you guys get me like a a two G Bach mouthpiece? And they're like, yeah, sure. Hmm. Screw that. So the life. Nobody likes brass. I'm kidding. I love brass. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, we have to be done pretty soon. Um, we have about seven more minutes. Um, so is there anything else you would like to add about the oboe? Or do you perform the wall test differently? Is there a different method? Oh, no, the wall it? test is definitely the same. <laughs> the wall test is universal. <laughs> I... Uh... <laughs> It's my favorite thing to introduce my new students to. Yes. When they bring me a read and it's very clear. I mean, I can just see cracks and chips and I'm like, there's, I don't know how you're still making sound on this. And I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty nice. And I always make sure that they have another read that works before I will do it, but I'll take it. And like, I'm going to show you the wall test. And I smash it up against my wall. I'm not even, I don't even take the time to be like perpendicular or kind. I just smash it or I'll use my fingers and just (laughs) smash it over. And they sit there with horror in their, in their eyes. And I'm like, you know what though? You're going to thank me for this because I don't know how in the world you're still making sound. Uh, you shouldn't be able to play on this read. Like, that and it makes sounds me like so trash. happy. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, oh honestly, I think if I have any advice for composers for oboe is to not be afraid of it because it is generally less familiar to you than other instruments. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes... Sometimes composers kind of they shy away from the, the the potential that the oboe has because they're they just don't know. Like, I mean, do what you guys are doing and ask somebody. You know, mm-hmm. give a little give a little clip to to an oboe player in your community and just say, "Can you play this? Does this work? Does this not work?" 
Because I could be really picky and tell you, don't ever write between these two notes because it sucks, or don't ever write above this note because it's squeaky. But really, I mean, if that's the sound that you want and you're going for, then do it. You know, don't be afraid. But I would always double check, you know, before you go to a publisher, double check some of those instruments that are a little less familiar to you Mm -hmm. with somebody who plays it. Because we'll look at how practical it is. Because, you know, difficult passages can be learned, you know. Yeah. When, when you're going between, you know, some hard, hard notes, like on the oboe, um, it's pretty difficult to go from something really, really high to really, really low, really fast. We can't, mm-hmm. not to say that we can't do it, but it's not easily done. But it doesn't mean that it can't be learned. You know, we, right. we'll figure it out. You know, when, don't be, don't be afraid of that. When going from high to low, is it easier if you like arpeggiate it at all? Or is it just yes. difficult to yeah. do? Okay. Yeah, no, that's that's fine. I'm talking like if you jump from a high F to a low C, I'll probably throw things at you initially because <laughs> <laughs> like it's just it's gross. You're... <laughs> Shame on you. <laughs> Remember, we all carry knives. Like you don't want to make us mad. <laughs> kidding. Oh god, um... <laughs> that makes me so happy. All right. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I traveled to Costa Rica with uh, with my wind ensemble from Snow College. Uh, one year, and I brought all of my retools with me through security. Not sure how that happened. Nobody was upset. Nobody asked questions. So I'm like, all right, wow. cool. Like, all right. Yikes! <laughs> Man, imagine trying to yeah. explain that one. TSA like pulls you over. They pull you aside. And you're like, yeah, this is for my my reads. And they're like, what? <laughs> we're more we're more concerned about my English horn than anything else. They like open the box and they're like, what is this? I'm like, and in Costa Rica, they don't really speak English, so. I'm trying to, you know, trying to explain in my in my English to these people that speak mostly Spanish. I'm like, this is an English horn. Like, you probably have no idea what this is. <laughs> I mean, they took all the yeah, pieces I... out of the case and like, oh, please stop, please stop. <laughs> yeah, it was it was an experience. <laughs> yeah, I just, am sure. Yeah, that's yeah. why I never want to fly with my instrument at all. Because I'm I've just flown with my. That it's gonna get nay-nayed. Yeah, I've flown with my saxophone before, and they've tried to check the bag check the horn and i'm like mm-mm. nope mm-mm, mm-mm, not happening mm-mm. nope nope unless you want to pay the thousands and thousands of dollars if it gets broken right uh-uh. exactly because i've seen cellos like oh, go through checking and yeah. like there are holes in them after they're done and it's just like well this is why i don't play a string instrument i mean an oboe is pretty fragile but not like that yeah oh i have a yeah, story but at least it's compact Okay. Yes. Yeah, I can throw so, it in the backpack and it's good. <laughs> I I have a story and uh oboe players um you might want to stop listening because it's a bit scary for you guys. So my old oh, director <laughs> um Kevin Sullivan from Bora um was uh it was, it was I don't know how long ago it was but I uh, had this beautiful oboe it was like $6,000. Um That's it. Um for a high school <laughs> Excuse you. <laughs> this is a high school in Boise, mm, Idaho. That's all. Only six thousand. That's all. Oh. Papa spends that in a day. God. <laughs> that's how expensive my reads are. That's it. Huh? No. Really though. Really though. That's like a one-hour private lesson, actually. Shut up, Reed. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> As I was saying, 
there was there was this beautiful oboe he loaned to someone and it was professional for a high school and um it played really well and um i think it was probably the most expensive wind instrument that he had um and he loaned it to this person um and this uh this person was driving around um and reached the stop uh hit the brakes and they saw the oboe case fly from the top of the car into the intersection and get run over by all of these cars and she couldn't do anything right this 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 oboe the six thousand dollars is just in the middle of the intersection being run over why is it on the top of of the car because she made a mistake and oh yeah um like all she had to do is grab her bag and throw the oboe pieces in it uh and like it's not salvageable right i mean it's it's been run over by cars and as you say it's fragile if if you drop it it's on like unrepairable Um, yeah so like it got all of these pieces shattered into a bag and came up to Mr. Sullivan and she couldn't say anything. Right. Um, I don't know who it was because he'd never told us, but he told us the story. Um, she, she couldn't say anything and she just hands like, is just standing there in his office and he's like, okay, what happened? And she just starts crying and hands her the bag and he just starts laughing hysterically like i'm there's nothing you can do right yeah it's just like well yeah might as well just make a joke out of it oops we're down an oboe (laughs) i've like that story as an instrumentalist as someone who has professional instruments and all of this expensive equipment like just cringe every time oh my god it scares the shit out of me yeah it does yeah if i lost my instrument dude i'd be screwed oh my god so yeah, uh, the fun story and moral of the story is uh, don't leave your instrument on top of your car. <laughs> oh, please don't. <laughs> Especially don't if you a fragile don't even one. Think about putting it on top. Well, seriously, just put it straight in your car. Yep, I, I have it oh on top of my car. It would like fall through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so heavy. There's a reason why I have Pelican cases. I I, I have my big Pelican case, right? I put I put right. my soprano in there and all of my stuff in there. It also helps me realize when I'm missing something because if something's missing, it's big. And also there's a hole where it's supposed to go. And I'm like, oh, I am missing that. Where is that, right? And right. so I don't lose things because I force myself not to, right? So don't ever have an opportunity or create an opportunity for yourself that will like force you to like let you lose something or let you have your instrument fly into the middle of an intersection. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that reminds me of a story God. of my uh... Oh no. Oh no. Oh it's not it's not nearly as bad. It's almost as bad. Okay. So when I moved down to uh to snow, um the students at the college were pretty much the only professionals in any kind of close proximity to the high schools. It's really rural down there. Most of our uh, faculty, like my oboe teacher was adjunct. She was coming from Provo, which was an hour and a half drive. It was, Mm -hmm. it was far. Um, And so there was a uh, middle school, high school kid. I don't remember. He was like 14 uh, that wanted to start lessons. And this kid didn't speak. Okay. No words. He just was like always really quiet, like just really shy, really 
I don't know. I don't feel like I'm a very scary person, but apparently I am to a 14 year old boy. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, he comes into lessons one day and he just has this look on his face and I was, you know, he gets his instrument put together and he's hesitant to pull out his reed. And I was like, Hey, what's going on? And he's like, well, um, my reed wasn't working. So I, uh, I took some scissors to it (laughs) and I, (laughs) I wish that I had taken a picture um, the reed he had chopped with scissors, probably, probably half the reed just mangled. <laughs> I was like, well, does it still play? And he's like, well, no, I was hoping you could fix it. Yes. <laughs> and I just sat there stunned. I'm like, what, <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> I mean, oh, I know no. that he's seen me like adjust his reeds before. Cause I'll do that for my students. You know, when they have when they have bought a read and it doesn't work, I'll, you know, I can work on it and usually make it work a little bit better. And I don't know if that's what he was trying to do, or he just was a 14 year old boy and was not thinking, but Oh my gosh, I have never seen some such insane self-inflicted damage (laughs) in my entire life. And I just sat there like, I don't even know what to tell you. Like go home because I can't, I can't teach you on this read and you have no other reads. Oh, yikes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was so bad. It's the same kid who came into lessons on a $10 plastic reed. <laughs> That's yeah. that. That you know. had to be rough. So, so when I left, oh I was like, like I hope that kid made some better choices later in his life. He's probably in college now. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. <laughs> Sweet. Oh, it was so bad. So I think we're going to start wrapping this up. Bree, is there anything you want to plug, like a music Instagram page or SoundCloud? Oh, gosh. Nope. I'm really boring. I am a music teacher during the day, and then I come home and I do my homework, and then I go to bed. I have, <laughs> you know, I don't I don't record or anything. Um, nah, nah, just keep doing your music, you know? If, if we uh, compose something, would you play it? Um, if you give me an appropriate amount of time, oh, well, of course, no, know, we're gonna re- compose well, it in a year and have you play it in a day. You know, uh, you know what, though? You, I was contacted by uh, one of the band directors in the area, and um, I, I previously taught one of his students, so he, you know, kind of knows me, and I helped out with some stuff one time. and He's like, yeah, can you like record both the oboe one and the oboe two part and then like play it by next week? I was like, like in any other world situation back when the world wasn't ending and I, you know, thought I had a handle on my life, I would consider it. But like, that's ridiculous. Like, I wish, but I mean, I was just like, I have no time. If they were easy parts, you might, but like. No, Your you know what? Is... It was an easy part, but oh. to be oh, able okay. to set up a recording situation, you know, where I could get decent sound quality. You know, I don't, I don't record myself. I don't have access to right off the top. I can of help the... you with that. Well, yes. And I know people, but that takes time too, you know, like to be able oh, to coordinate yeah. with other people to use their equipment at, or to go, you know, I know like Meridian has a studio you can, you can rent out. And, you know, mm-hmm. if I had an appropriate amount of time, I would think about it, but like also, I'm such a perfectionist that if I were to make even like a a little tiny breath in a wrong spot, I would feel like I would have to redo it because it's a recording. Yeah. And I don't know. I was like, oh, why are you I'm like no? I'm like I respect you and I'm glad you wrote a piece, but no. <laughs> were they gonna Were they gonna pay you for that? 
Nope. Oh. Yep, that too. Also was not they were not planning to pay me. Dang. So pay your musicians. It's like, you know, always I tip my accompanists. Yeah. Like pay your musicians, tip your accompanists. They yeah. will love you more and be more willing to help you. So In the like, future. Very yeah. don't, rarely don't, uh... will I dedicate time to to perform and not be paid because I just I don't I don't have to, you know? Like, yeah, plus yeah. you're you're on one of those like specialty instruments too, where it's like really needed. Yeah. So it, mm-hmm. that's that's yeah. also pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, if you have anything else that you'd like to talk about um, with Oboe, um, we should t- we should have you on again. Uh, that'd be really cool if you think of anything else. Okay. Because um, yeah, this wasn't a very long podcast, um, just due to our limited amount of time. But I would love to. Uh, Talk more about like extended techniques and oh, yeah, um, yeah, uh, more of the fun stuff than just like the range and the timbre. Um, I think I think that'd be a really cool podcast. Um, so if you're um, if you have anything else you'd like to add, please do. Um, well, I mean that's not a way to ask that question. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm okay for now, but I'd love to come back and talk about some of that other exciting stuff. Give me a list. Tell me what you want to know, and I'll uh, I'll come prepared. Sounds Thing is, good. I don't know anything about extended oboe technique. I absolutely no idea. Well, well you like take scissors to half of the reed if that's an extended don't. technique. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna write a composition that says, "All right, just cut your reed in half and then play." <laughs> It's like that. It's like that piece where he like smacks the trumpet with a hammer after like every side movement. You haven't seen that piece? I think it's no. called Metamorph. No. Oh wow. Oh. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, but anyway. Uh, um. Okay. I know a piece that has the clarinet. Like you take it apart. Oh, weird. Kind of, yeah, it's interesting. That's kind of cool. I accidentally played my oboe without a bell one time when I was in high school. Wouldn't that have been really sharp? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and like half my notes weren't working right. And I was like, why is my instrument not working? You know, just, I was just an idiot and forgot to put it on. <laughs> yeah, you can't really do that with the saxophone. Oh, shit, I forgot my mouthpiece. Like, you try to put your reed and your ligature on. It's just like, uh, actually, one yeah. time I forgot my ligature at a, like a, uh, Oh, no. game yeah i i was trying to hold my hold my read on while i was playing with my left hand oh my <laughs> god that was so hard my parents had to come with a ligature yeah oh it my god not good not a good day from then on i never i i can proud myself pride myself actually no i forgot my music to a concert one time but oh in college i have never forgotten <laughs> Uh, like any piece of music or mouthpiece or ligature except for at one like uh i I didn't forget it's just nobody told me to bring my instrument um i just i came to a place and they're like okay where are your saxophones i'm just like what and (laughs) this is evidently a sound check and i had no idea because i was setting up stuff um and so all my saxons were like a mile away in a car but oops anyway (laughs) We need to be done. Um, All right. Yeah, and, and and real quick, I found that piece. Um, yeah, I was it's called to Metamorphosis to... for Trumpet and Lump Hammer. Okay, are they supposed so, to buy, like, a crappy trumpet and hit it with a hammer or something? Uh, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, 
Because I, I doubt anyone would hit their own like professional instrument. Yeah, with it a looks hammer. like he's it looks like he's beating up a a pretty good horn in the video that I, that I linked you though. <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, I'm not sure I want to watch it then. That's gonna scare me. <laughs> oh yeah, I kind of feel like I do want to watch it just for that reason. <laughs> I said this to you as well. Oh, all right. Scary. Well, yeah, a good episode. Yeah. Um, it's so fun to have you on, Brie. Yeah, thank you for coming. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Always love to have guests. It's fun. I don't, I don't get to do this very often. So, you know, my my eighth grade oboe player student doesn't necessarily think this is the most exciting thing to talk about. So, 